You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, make an impact in our own unique way, and importantly, to get well paid for it. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to quietly ambitious humans. Welcome back to another interview on the Creatively Human podcast, and I just love the topic of today's conversation. I am chatting with Fiona Thomas all about why raising rates is good for our mental health. We touch on what happens when we undercharge, why we undercharge, how to feel confident enough to charge more, and all the reasons why you probably should charge more. Fiona is an author and freelance writer with work published in iPaper, Grazia, Happy Fool Magazine and Huffington Post. Her most recent book, Out of Office, Ditch the 9 to 5 and Be Your Own Boss, is a guide to freelancing and you can find that wherever you buy your books. Um, I love following Fiona on Instagram at Fiona Likes to Blog or you can find her website at FionaLikesToBlog.com. I am almost certain that you are going to get so much. If you are a freelancer, if you have clients in some capacity, if you charge people money for spending time with them or doing work for them, you are going to get so much out of this. Um, So enjoy. So I want to start by asking you, what do prices and rates have to do with mental health? Such a good question. And something that had you asked me that maybe like, two years ago I would have been like nothing at all (laughs) and that comes from someone who has been like a like a public mental health advocate for like almost a decade um yeah it's got everything to do with mental health um when I started freelancing I basically saw self-employment as a great way to help my mental health because of the flexibility um and I'm like you, I'm an introvert. My past career was in hospitality, so I was customer facing. It was very performative, like having to smile and be happy all the time and work set hours. So like if I woke up and I didn't feel good, I still had to go to work and like pretend to be at least a little bit okay. So when I started out, to me, freelancing was just the flexibility, the ability to work from home, to work on my own, to not have to socialise with too many people and to be able to, if I woke up and had had a mental health blip, um, I could still work. I, I could still be a bit sad and work and still probably deliver the same quality of work. Um, but in the beginning, I didn't realise that money was going to have such a huge impact on my mental health because freelancing like solved a lot of mental health problems but also like gave me a whole bunch of new ones yeah (laughs) so so what I realized was that basically I was undercharging and I was doing some work where I couldn't really control the rates so I did a lot of kind of journalism work so I wrote features and still do for magazines and websites but they set the rate it's not Mm. you don't really get the chance you can negotiate a little bit but they've got budgets and that's that so I was kind of getting stuck in this cycle of, well, that's just the going rate. Like, I don't have any control over changing it. So I wasn't earning very much, which meant I was working loads more hours. Um, I was, like, chasing extra work all the time. So I was, like, looking for that last minute, you know, that panic when you're like, oh, my God, I need to make, like, a couple of hundred pounds before the end of the week. So I was taking on jobs that, like, didn't align with my values 
I didn't enjoy. I was working with clients who weren't ideal, maybe working in industries that I wasn't comfortable in, which, yeah, just kind of ate away at my self-worth as well because I wasn't really delivering the best work. I wasn't working with people who made me feel good. And it was just like that cycle that kept continuing because I wasn't earning enough, but I needed to fill, to plug those financial gaps. So I was taking on work that wasn't right for me. Um, So it wasn't until maybe about like two years ago that I realised this isn't working and I really need to make time to support my mental health and for me that's things like going a walk going to the gym when we could go to the gym um having a day where I go and meet my friends for coffee being able to travel back home for the weekend and I realized that I couldn't do all that stuff unless I could take time off and mm. I couldn't take time off unless I had enough money <laughs> so um I think yeah the penny just really dropped for me that like oh like if I earn not loads and loads of money but if I earn a little bit more money then my life completely transforms mm. and it gives me this opportunity to do all the things that I know will help my mental health and from that moment onwards I was just like okay this has to be not non-negotiable but this has to be a priority that I stop yeah. taking on work that isn't isn't well paid doesn't suit my skill set I have to be kind of firm on my prices and not just throwing out discounts and not there's anything wrong with discounts but not doing all these panic Mm. kind of moves to get Mm -hmm. work in the door and I knew that once I started doing that you know and it worked a couple of times I thought well that's once it works once I'll know that this is the way forward and Mm. and yeah that's quite a long answer (laughs) no it's good and so how long had you been freelancing and up to that point when you actually kind of realized that the way you were working and the money the money stuff wasn't sustainable for your mental health I'd say about two years yeah yeah it's because what you said was so relatable to me and like how I was working in the beginning and I did it for quite a while as well like it's so interesting to think that um you know we can we can sustain it for that long somehow because like you said taking on jobs that aren't right for you doing all the work to earn the extra money when you need it firstly is exhausting but secondly there's a kind a, a kind of um a mismatch in like how you feel about the work you're doing as well like and, and what you want to do and why do you think it is that we push forward for so long i think because we forget that being self-employed puts you in a position of control I think we kind of default back because most of us have worked in a company or worked for an employer I think we default back to that mindset of this is the way work is supposed to be work is supposed to be difficult work is supposed to be a bit of a a trudge you don't always get to work with people that you like like I think we forget that we do have a sense of control and we kind of just take take it for granted and think oh this is the way it is but if you stop which is really hard to do when you're freelance yeah. if you stop and take a look at the bigger picture and say no actually I'm going to take a day or a couple of days to look at what I'm doing and what do I want to be doing and how can I take steps to change it because like and I get this as well get caught up in the work that needs to be done now and before you know it six months have passed yeah. and you're nowhere close you've not made any changes um and we are we are in control and I think that's the thing I forgot that as well this year has been a big wake-up call to me to kind of wipe the slate clean and go 
know what do I actually want yes. to do in my business. Yeah, I think this year has been that for a lot of people. And obviously, it's an interesting combination of feelings because I think when lockdown first started and everything, like a lot of people were thinking about their security, like rightly so. And and interestingly, for someone like me who tends towards anxiousness, <laughs> I was like feeling very unsafe, even though I was safe. I don't know if you can relate to that, but like just like thinking I need to, I need to have security, whatever that even means. My anxious brain doesn't even really know what that means half the time. Um, but when I kind of calm down, I realise I'm in a massively privileged position, like working from home already, working online, and I can keep going. And obviously, some people don't have that, but a lot of the people listening to that, listening to this, will be in that kind of position. And it and it was like a really massive wake up call. Like, how do I really want to be working? What do I really mm. want to spend my time doing? And it's it's been it's been such a hard time, but that I think has been one of the good things for me that has come out of it that kind of reflection yeah I found in the beginning nobody around me was really thinking about the economic impact of the like lockdown back in March mm. but I was panicking internally going yeah. I can see what's happening here because you're the same as me we both worked through the last recession mm-hmm. I was in my first management job and I think I, that was when I realized that had had a real impact on my mindset um and this time round I was like oh I can see this I can see it laid out before me so I started panicking I think a lot before other people about about the work situation and Mm. the money situation um so I like luckily practiced what I preach and I had some savings in the bank so I knew I'm just going to take like a couple of weeks and I'm going to think about how I'm going to approach this um I didn't panic, which was like mm. real, real growth for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I panicked, but I didn't, I didn't turn that panic into like actions that yeah. I would do later. Um, so yeah, I had like a good couple of weeks where I just sat down and I thought, right, what do I actually want to do? Um, and for me, it was creativity. I was like, I need to, because I'd spent the last year writing the book, which was great, but as a different kind of creativity because you're mm. writing this very specific thing for a market um but I thought I really want to do something creative so so my business is completely different to what it was at the start of the year and yeah I'm really really happy that I've managed to kind of turn it into a like you say a reflective exercise not to say like it was a positive thing but yeah. it's just given me a new perspective on on my business which yeah. which is really good yeah and you were kind of mentioning like when that penny dropped for you and you realized that you couldn't keep working the way you were you had to make some serious shifts in the type of work you were doing what you were charging for it and how important that kind of stepping back is in making those decisions and like looking at the big picture rather than always being stuck in the busy work I mean obviously you touched on how you made that happen at the start of the pandemic because you had savings and stuff like how did you make that happen originally and how would you what what advice would you have for other people who who can kind of resonate with being on this kind of hamster wheel of taking the, all the jobs they can, but they need to step back, but they don't feel like they can? Mm. I would say take a look at what you're already earning and take a look at, you know, assuming that you're like a multiple income streams kind of person like me, take a look at what you're earning and what's the best return on investment. Like that's a really quick way to kind of 
be a bit ruthless about what you are spending your time on. So mm. look at your look at your tax return for last year or look at your accounts for the last few months. Which area is earning you the most money? But then also what like what's taking up the most time? So it might be like so for me, journalism took up a lot of time because it's a lot of pitching that you know, pitches that don't ever turn into actual commissions. So a lot of pitching, mm-hmm. then a lot of like research and um interviewing people on the phone, then writing up those interviews, then writing the article, and then chasing the invoice, which could be like sixty days later. Um that was the stuff that like validated me and like made mm-hmm. me feel like a proper writer but it's just not a good return on investment for me. Um, And I still do it now and again when I've got an idea that I'm really happy with and I teach pitching to freelancers because I think it's a really good skill to have. But financially, I had to switch from that being like, you know, 50% of my income to like 5%. Mm. Because when I looked at it in black and white, I could see (laughs) that it it wasn't going to, it wasn't helping my mental health and it wasn't building me like a sustainable business yes so I think just looking at the numbers is a really good place to start and then also work backwards from where you want to be so for me that's how I worked out a day rate and I don't charge a day rate but I've worked out roughly what each project like how long it takes me and how much time it takes and then I know that Mm -hmm. I need to make back a certain amount of money per day to make my kind of rough income goal for the year um, and I always when I work that out so so say like you start with like 30 grand per year and then don't divide it by like um, 12 months divide yes. it by 10 months yes then you've got two months where you can be on holiday <laughs> yeah. um, and then also work it back so that you're not working like before I would be like oh well, I can make £100 a day, that's five days a week, that's, um, you know, 20 days a month. But then when do you do your admin? When do you do your content creation? When do you do your podcast? All that kind of stuff. So work it back from there so that you've actually got days off, in inverted commas. I call them hands-off days Mm. because that's what we used to call them in hospitality. Um, Hands-off day where you're not working on client stuff, you're working on the big picture stuff. Or for me my hands-off days can be can be um, like admin or marketing or they can just be a mental health day yeah so I give myself that flexibility like Mondays and Fridays for me are quite often days where I just like watch Netflix or I catch up on reading or I go a walk all that kind of stuff because that to me is just as important as the work like that's what's nourishing you as a um, as a business owner and as a person so it's going to have a ripple effect Absolutely. I really like that you shared that about looking at the numbers and how you divide it up because that once you once you know it, it seems so obvious, but it took me so long to like figure that out that I shouldn't just like think of a yearly goal and divide it by like 365 days. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, I'm not working every day. And like, also that that idea of like having certain days, like hands off days, as you put it, that was something that I did figure out that I wanted and I kind of thought it would just happen. (laughs) And, you know, I guess there's that thing, isn't it? Like when you've got a certain amount of time, you will fill it up with random stuff. So you have to be really like intentional about things like that. And that is something that I try to, I try to regularly step back 
and go through everything like that. So like how much time off have I got? Um, you know, what days do I do calls, which is really important to my energy levels as an introvert. So I try to like put my calls into certain days of the week and have no call days. Mm. Um, just things like that. It sounds so simple, but you need to to constantly take that time out, step back, evaluate how it's going and um, yeah, make ch- tweaks and changes along the way. The more you learn about yourself, I guess. Yeah, which is why I think yeah, reflection is something like a combination of personal and work reflection is something that I think mm. business owners just don't do enough mm. because there's nobody there like prodding us to do like a personal development review or yeah. anything like that. So we have to be really, really proactive and do that ourselves. Um, and I use a planner called the Passion Planner and it's so good. And every, at the end of the month, it has like a big two page spread with about 10 questions and loads of space to write mm. and it says like look look back at your diary over the last month what went well what could have went better how do you feel about how you've spent your time this month um how would you like to change it in the future and all that kind of thing so it's just a really good like for me having systems like that in place is really important because otherwise I just won't do it yeah so having that system there where you know I turn to the end the next page and I go oh I need to reflect now because I, w- I won't leave it blank. I've got to do it. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, I think, is really, really helpful. And as a writer, I'm sure you find this as well, like, you don't know how you feel a lot of the time until you actually put pen to paper. Yeah. And then you go, oh, wow, like, yeah. breakthrough. Um, and I think that's something a lot of business owners and freelancers can benefit from, is just a bit of self-reflective writing every now and again. It sounds really simple, but it can it can really throw you up some some gems about what um what needs to change yeah I totally agree I totally agree and journaling for me and I and my journaling is often quite um what's the word guided in the set like like the examples you gave those questions I think are really really useful just like it's it does sound so simple like you said like oh what went well in the last month or whatever or like how did you use your, t- your time but it's like how how often do we actually sit back and reflect on that on a daily basis or a weekly basis if we don't have to we just we just like keep going keep going and it's just for me when I put pen to paper like you said things come out that I'm just not even aware of Mm. it is like magical and those questions remind us that we can make changes because I think we fall into that trap of this is just what self-employed life is like and we don't necessarily talk to other self-employed people so we just think this is the way it is you know we're stuck in that kind of echo chamber of one (laughs) where we just we just tell ourselves well you know you should be grateful for what you've got you know this this is hard um but you've got clients so you should be happy and we forget that we can actually change things so yeah those questions are a great they kind of just hold up the mirror don't they Mm -hmm. and you go oh actually this isn't what I want yeah yeah okay so one thing I wanted to ask you is like when you're at that point so say for example like the what you said about writing doing the journalism and how you made that less of your kind of uh less of your total percentage of work because it wasn't the best for you in terms of the income and the time spent in the mental health practically and logically that all makes sense but how does it feel to make those decisions based on your mental health Hmm. it feels hard but I think I've been at breaking points so many times that Mm. 
I've got the fear there <laughs> and I know I don't want to go back to that. And I, I do, like, I go through cycles of burnout probably at least twice a year. So I can see the red flags coming and ultimately making changes that will stop that happening are are best for the business. So even if right now, like, or back then, I felt like, oh, it's crazy to turn away, turn my back on this income source that's been quite good for me even though it feels scary to turn away from that I know I can see 12 months down the line that burnout is going to get in the way anyway Mm. and that's going to be that's going to get in the way of me earning money and having a profitable business so it's kind of like well (laughs) choose one um so it's difficult but I think when you've been in business for a few years you kind of get that gut feeling and you know what's the right thing to do or at least what's this kind of sensible thing to do I think when you're starting out it is hard I think I think all the mistakes that I made in the first two years of my business happened for a reason and they just helped me see that that wasn't what I wanted to do I'm like a big fan maybe not a fan but like advocate of going down these rabbit holes to realise that that's not what you want and then coming back out and trying a different way. Mm. So, so yeah, it is hard, but ultimately you don't have a boss that's going to take care of your mental health. You don't have an HR department. And I think I realised that, you know, I've been in that situation where I couldn't work for a year because of my mental health. And that was in a job that I didn't really enjoy. So the idea of getting into that situation again for a job that I now love, a business that I love, I was like, I I just don't want that to happen. I don't want to be so ill that I can't work because I love my business. Mm. So I think that that was the kind of big decision for me was that I need to find a way that makes this a lifelong sustainable business not just from one week to the next like chasing my tail all the time yes yeah exactly because my philosophy on this is like and I've been through so many different I've gone down so many different rabbit holes made so many mistakes especially in terms of like doing business in a way that feels good to me and my philosophy is that I can pretend and I can push for a while but it will always catch up with me whatever so so like I have to choose the thing that feels good to me eventually because I can't carry on if I don't and it's not easy but and it takes a lot of you know it takes like making some mistakes I think to trust yourself but also it takes that self-reflection like but it's yeah it's like ultimately we have no other choice in a way if we want to keep doing this thing and if we want to make it work ultimately it's going to catch up with us if we don't make these positive changes yeah and it's hard isn't it like you say if you've chosen to go down a path or you've chosen to work with this client or do this type of work and you get to the point where you know you have to stop doing it it does feel like you failed a bit Mm. it feels like oh I have to now like having to dump a client is the worst like Mm. having to end things with a client I hate it like I've only done it really I think three times maybe and every time I've left it to like the last possible minute, <laughs> well, it's like a standoff where I'm like, I'm going to wait and see if they end it first. Um, yeah, and it does feel like you've you've kind of failed. Um, but the moment 
after the failure is or the it's not a failure but the moment after it is always such a sense of relief um, and that's what I always try and remember is that any mistakes that I make like once they're over and done with they always they always show me kind of what needs to come next yes yeah absolutely and I and I find that at the time you know that like negativity bias that our brains have I don't know if this applies to that but I I often like if I'm letting something go or something's wrong, you know, I did something, it didn't work. My brain is looking for all those negative things about it. But then afterwards, like you said, there is so much value to be gained from those experiences. Like everything I did in the early days of my business, I think, and this is the benefit of being in business for a long time as well. You really start to see how it all adds up and it all makes sense. And that everything was building on everything else, even the stuff that went wrong. And it's, it's so it's really it's it's powerful to be able to look back at that but it's hard when you're in it (laughs) I think all your mistakes as well make it much easier or have made it easier for me to know what I stand for Mm. and it makes it much easier to say no Mm. so in the early days I did a lot of social media management um, and writing content for brands and doing social media for brands and it's just not my strong point it's just really not like I am much better at writing in my own voice um so now it's just so easy for me to turn down work which when you're first starting freelancing you think turn down work like that just sounds like it would never ever happen and now I'm just so confident saying no I don't I don't do that I don't do it you could offer me like a million pounds and I wouldn't do it (laughs) yeah I love that and actually it's so interesting because I was talking to one of my clients recently about turning away potential clients and I feel like it's a it seems to be almost a rite of passage and like something that everyone goes through and and even when your business is doing really well that can still feel really hard but honestly like when you start turning down work and it feels right it's just like such a it's such a lovely feeling it's such a good feeling and pricing is another way that helps that because if yeah. you price some of your like a lot of us have lots of different packages like if you price like the thing that you really value the most like if you price that a little bit higher then you will get the cream of the crop client wise not because they've got more money but because they're aligned with it and they're committed to whatever the thing is that you're that you're doing so I think yeah that's quite a good way to kind of get in the right clients and get in the people who are really serious about whatever it is that you do Mm, mm, I agree and also on the flip side of that I feel like pricing choosing my prices based on what I really want so the way I see it because I guess it depends the line of work you're in so I'm the, the because I work with people one-to-one I work and I'm very like closely I don't have loads of clients like intentionally um so I price it so that I can work with few clients and make enough money to make it worthwhile and before like so it was just over a year ago I think that I really significantly raised my prices like I I basically just doubled them based on how I felt which felt very scary at the time and The problem was with my old prices is if I got a new client, I was so thrilled and then my brain instantly was like, okay, I need need another client because that's not enough. And obviously, I'm not saying that any one client is enough. Like, I don't base my business on just having one single client. But do you know what I mean? That constant cycle of 
being happy about getting more work, but also constantly looking for the next work, whatever that may be. That's mm-hmm. that's how I was. So I feel like charging based on based on a price that is really well compensating me for my time and doesn't leave me to instantly go, okay, I need to find someone else now. It makes me better at what I do as well. It just, I, the energy around it is so different in all ways. So it's like the client is committed to paying the price, but also from my side, the feeling is different too. Yeah, because you feel you're being paid fairly for the the commitment that you know you're going to make. Yeah, exactly. And it also gives you that space, literally the space in your calendar, because you're not working with another client and you're not worrying about getting another one. So you've got all that space to actually give that one client the great service that you know you want to give them yeah yeah absolutely and I think that that me doubling my prices last year sort of on a whim um it wasn't yeah it felt it felt it didn't feel like uh the logical decision because I wasn't actually getting many inquiries at the time so I thought well if I'm not getting inquiries at this price this is what my kind of safety brain was telling me if I'm not getting inquiries at this price then who's going to inquire at the next price you know double but it, it did make a difference because I and I know personally that I will shop around for things and I will judge based on people who don't <laughs> charge enough and I won't even like and I know that there's different prices to suit everyone so it's not like there's a magical price point but it was what felt right for me and I could really get behind it and I do think it was a massive turning point in my business. Yeah because I've done accessible offerings for people Um and I don't feel good about it. Mm. I don't feel good when I show up to deliver the content. Um, because I just, I don't know. I just know that the knowledge that I've got and the service that I deliver is worth a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I also know that the people who show up and pay less, the chances are they aren't necessarily going to be that engaged with it because it has been so low cost. Um, like you know yourself if you sign up to a webinar that's like a fiver you probably like at the last minute you'll be like I'm not even going to go yeah I've done that so many times <laughs> mm, so did you did you find when you doubled your prices did you get anybody saying oh I can't afford it or did you get any like conversations around that I I always have conversations around uh people being able to afford things or not and I'm like I'm okay with it because firstly my business is not reliant on any single person saying yes or no. That has been a real mind sh- mindset shift for me. Because you know when you're trying to get a new client or a new new job, whatever it is, and you're so attached to the outcome of that one thing because you think it's going to make or break your business. So that has made a big difference to me. But also, I mean, I I put myself out there on the belief that I'm the right person for my right people. And sometimes my right people take longer to 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 either be able to afford it practically or to feel that they can afford it because there is a difference some people feel that they can't afford it but they could Mm. um but yeah I have those conversations but what I've done is so I I did have I have I have had several calls with people who just knew they couldn't afford it before getting on the call and honestly I've just become more um (laughs) I've become really like obvious on my free call booking form that like (laughs) this is for people who are really serious about working with me so if you can't afford it that's fine we can talk about other ways that you know I could support you but um 
And that's a that's a real mindset shift as well, because you don't want to piss people off. You don't want to sound mean. You don't want to sound like I'm not getting on a free call with you or like and, and I don't put any pressure on people who do get on a call with me to work with me. But I want them to like have read my pro- like I put my prices out there on my website. So it's really transparent because I know that some people don't put their prices out for various reasons. I don't reasons. understand that. I think, it's re- <laughs> I think it's like it's a waste of time because yeah. then people will engage with you thinking that they can afford you when you know that they probably can't. Or the other way around. They may yeah. not even contact you because they mm-hmm. think that they can't afford you. Give people a ballpark. Yeah. I think, actually, speaking of like pricing for mental health, putting my price on my website is good for my mental health, honestly, because I don't like that situation where you're on a call with someone and you have to like tell them the price and you know gauge their reaction it's just it's good for my for me just to relax and know it's out there and when you say it face to face it's much harder so you I always find myself saying this is the price but it's negotiable like and I'm like why did I say that whereas if if you write it it's much easier to just put a full stop (laughs) yes oh that's so interesting what you just said but um I think some people it works for them and I think they've probably just got a different personality and they find it easier to like talk money on a call mm-hmm. um but yeah what you said just then about like it's negotiable that's really interesting and that kind of brings me into something else that I wanted to talk about like why do we do that why do we think we have to lower our prices why do we have we think we have to charge less than what we want to charge yeah I think it comes from that panic doesn't it it's that panic that you've got a customer that's maybe like about to purchase and especially if you like them and you get on with them and you think they'd be a great fit yeah to then be like oh here's the price and they can't afford it I think there is that panic of like oh I could just do it this one time I could just make an exception for this one person but in the times when I have done that it just gets everything off on the wrong foot because yeah they they've got a deal but you're still expected to deliver the same level of work and even if you don't think you are like the the dynamics have shifted so Mm -hmm. you are maybe going to feel a bit resentful again you're going to be trying to find more work to make up that kind of that financial gap that you've lost so yeah I think it does come from from that that panic and yeah I, I try I try not to do it, but even this year, when I launched my um, my kind of courses and my programs, like I had a few DMs from people and comments from people saying, "This is far too expensive for me," and I panicked and then started thinking about like, how can I make low cost offerings? How can I do this? Yeah. And then and then, like I said to you, like then I felt I didn't feel good about the stuff that I was doing because. I just felt like I can't cram all the knowledge that I need to cram into this small <laughs> price point. I just can't do it. So maybe yeah. I just can't I just can't do that kind of offering. It just needs to I want to deliver people a kind of longer term kind of more in-depth service because that's what's going to get the best results. Yes. I love yeah. that. Honestly, I So I work with a lot of business owners and that whole thing about people saying they can't afford their stuff comes up all the time. Like everyone gets it. Um, 
and ultimately it's just what one person is saying you don't even know the truth I'm not saying they're lying that's not what I'm saying but like it's it can be based on feelings like I said earlier um and it's just what one person is saying and it's interesting isn't it how how what one person can say to us in a comment about our you know higher priced program can make us question everything mm-hmm. but if you have done the calculations that's, that's why I say to everyone, do those calculations on how much you want to earn, how much you need to be able to do the things that keep your mental health well, like how many days off a week do you need, how many weeks off in the year do you need. Do those calculations because then when it comes to quoting your prices, you know that you've not just plucked a number out of thin air. You know yes. that you've done the calculations and you know that you need to charge this to run a business that keeps you like on the level as a human and keeps your business growing. I think doing that maths behind the scene that that was a big mindset shift for me because I was like no I'm confident in this number and I know I know I'm confident in the number and I'm confident in the value that I'm going to bring um and that it does take does take time to to get that confidence but doing the calculations I think really helps yeah yeah and I feel like yeah I think having just working stuff out basically in all ways so like having a policy for discounts for example so I don't offer discounts but I have a process with for example if someone's already working with me and I've raised my prices while they're working with me that I will like maintain the lower price for them or something like that and it's just like it's a policy it's not just like a a whim or like an emotional decision it's a policy across the board um and the same with like, if you've done these low cost offers and they don't work out, like that's your policy. Because you know that with the numbers worked out, you could either do loads of sales of a low cost offer or fewer sales of a higher cost offer. And you prefer the latter. Mm-hmm. And that's just like what works for your business. And I think that, um, yeah, just taking time to work, like have reasoning behind what you're doing although that said sometimes how we feel is obviously a big part of the reason behind things as well which Mm. can be harder to um make a a kind of tangible reason but i think that if we've done the work behind the scenes yeah it it helps us like stick to our prices yeah and be open to experimenting yeah like i've done experimented over the years with different ways of working like working with clients or working with groups and all that and like just use it as an experiment and say, well, I tried that. Because you can try something and it makes you a lot of money. But if it doesn't feel right, then are you going to keep doing it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so on the topic of like doing the things that feel right to you and like, why do we undercharge in the first place? We kind of identified that kind of panicky feeling, that kind of, that, that worry that I've got to accept this work, I've got to make this person happy, whatever. Do you, have you ever experienced a kind of, um, just a struggle in getting behind, and I hate this phrase, but I'm using it to kind of illustrate the point, your worth. And to, like, you know, how can I charge my worth and like tangling up the worth, your self-worth with how much you charge? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's quite a vague, a vague concept, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like how much is my worth? Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely struggled with that. And... I think it's difficult as well because we give away a lot of free content that mm. we don't necessarily realise. I think that's helped me. That's helped me with charging for people because I know that I give a lot of 
value to people every day through you know my books my podcast well books aren't free but like my yeah. podcast um my instagram my blog um a lot of my work like my journalism works out there for people to read so that's helped and i get a lot of really nice like messages and comments from people saying that that stuff's valuable so that's helped me to realize that okay there's like an extra level of support that i can give people but they have they have to pay for it so that's helped but yeah there's still those people that will come back and say oh i can't afford it and that that definitely feels difficult like it feels difficult to acknowledge that you can't work with everybody Mm. and you do get that feeling of oh have I just completely missed the mark here am I totally overcharging for what I'm worth but it's just a constant a constant cycle of (laughs) feeling like that and then being very proactive with reminding myself of why like the value that I give people so I'm I'm like a big fan of recording all my successes mm. so all the places that I've been published like all the testimonials that I get all the nice um book reviews that I get all the nice dms I've started being really diligent about screenshotting all them and, and collating them and looking back at them it's kind of like reading back reading them back to yourself like an affirmation almost and just remembering all those positive comments because like you said it's your negative bias that you will remember that one like comment that maybe wasn't very kind and you remember that like word for word <laughs> for yeah. years to come <laughs> as opposed to all the really nice things because the nice things don't don't evoke as much emotion so yeah I try really hard to remind myself about all that and remind myself about that when I am working out my pricing because it's not necessarily about the content that I deliver to people for like four weeks on a course it's the kind of ripple effect that that has on their life and their confidence levels and their creativity because I know from courses that I've done that in a five-week course or a four-week course, week to week, I've maybe not felt like there was a huge impact, but it could be like a month or two months later that I actually actioned something that I learned on that course. So I try to remember that, that the, the things that I sell and the, the value that I give to people isn't just within that little block of time that I work with them. It can be quite a long-lasting impact. Yeah, yeah, so important to remember and I just want to ask you, like, what would be your best advice to someone listening to this who knows they have to raise their rates, but they're afraid? I would say do your research first. So figure out, you know, do a bit of snooping around, see, see what other people are charging for what it is that you're charging, for what it is that you do in your industry. But don't take that as like a as a limit like don't think oh yeah. I, I can really charge this because my competitors do this just have a look and see kind of what other people are charging and then also for each package or each service that you offer write down every single thing that you do as part of that so write down like from literally from the moment you start to like sell it 
or the moment you start to create the thing that you're selling um, and all the little bits you have to do in between so whether it's taking discovery calls or um, setting up a thing on your website or writing content and then like onboarding clients and then all the email support and the zoom support and all that kind of stuff write it all down because then you'll see how much of yourself you're actually giving to someone and how much of your calendar you're giving to someone I think that's really important and I I say that a lot to like photographers write down everything you do because it's it's not your fault that the client thinks all you do is show up and take photos for three hours (laughs) you know that there's weeks of work gone into this that you've maybe been like scouting locations and you've been like taking test shots and you know you've got a pinterest board for them and you've researched their brand like write all that down to remind yourself of all the time and work that goes into each thing that you sell um, because the client doesn't necessarily need to know that but you know that and you know that that has to go in to get the best result so I think working all that out is really good um, and talking to people in your industry or other freelancers is really good um, I went into the I think it was the freelance lifestylers Facebook group when I was putting up my rates and just like asked people this is what I'm charging do you think this is I could put my prices up and everybody was like yes yes <laughs> yes so it's really good for that like reminder that other people are charging more and that was really helpful for me because I was like oh I'm I'm obviously giving people a really good deal so that was really helpful and it also can help you if you're going to an existing client and putting your prices up if you've got all this research in place Mm. it's really helpful for you to kind of back up your decision if they challenge it you could say well I've done my research and in my industry most people charge xyz so and I am, you know, like quite far behind that. So I'm going to hike it up a little bit. I think that's really helpful. Um, and yeah, just, you know, do the stuff that doesn't involve you talking face to face to people. If that's what you're struggling with, just change it on your website and don't say anymore. <laughs> you can just change it. Like yeah. you don't need to defend yourself for, for new clients. Um, just Just put it up and just give it a go it's not permanent you can change it but I would advise you not to (laughs) (laughs) I've done that so many times I've literally experimented with raising my rates just by changing it on my website and then like leaving it for a bit and thinking how does that feel and then like maybe tweaking it but yeah if that's what it takes oh that's really good advice thank you um okay and there was one other thing that you touched on when we were chatting about what to talk about today and you were saying like profit from your business actually goes into funding your self-care and your mental health so I'd be interested to hear how that works Mm, yeah I think this year has been an expensive year for (laughs) self-care for me um, because I my back has always been an issue from from when I was like 17 and I've always had back issues and it just got really bad this year so I've been seeing an osteopath like I saw him like once a week for a while there now it's down to like kind of once a month so that's not cheap um I also started therapy which again is not cheap and it's an ongoing you know it's like every week you've got to pay for that so that's the kind of stuff that kind of yeah funds my self-care but apart from that it's really just self-care to me is time off Mm. a lot of the time it's not necessarily buying loads of stuff, although I do like to buy, you know, like nice skincare and a candle and all that now and again. But to me, it, it just funds time off. 
um, and time to do the stuff that I actually enjoy. So like reading and writing and um, doing like doing writing courses and doing self development courses. And I'm part of a few membership sites, so actually going on and reading the content that they have and stuff like that. So yeah, it, to me, it funds just a slower lifestyle and a a lifestyle that allows me to work on my own personal development and mm. and the stuff that fills up my cup which isn't materialistic things yeah. really yeah I love that and I don't know about you but sometimes like I find it really easy to spend money for my business I find it harder to spend money for personal stuff and I and I I've seen like some people have it the other way around but it's like really common um so if I can trick myself and say like I'm doing this thing for myself but it's going to help my you know it's going to help my creativity which is going to give me new ideas whatever I find it easier so I, I can imagine that being really intentional for example about setting my rates like I'm I'm increasing my rates to um make more money that will allow me to then put it into this like personal development self-care mental health stuff I can I can imagine that would really be helpful to just be intentional about mm. that when you're setting your rates yeah that is that definitely helped for me to make the connection mm. between it. Also, that thing of I don't have to defend myself. Like I don't yeah. need to. Def- I don't need to explain to people your your money pays for my therapy. <laughs> like I, I know that <laughs> they don't need to know that because um, I know what I need and I don't yeah. need to justify it. Um, but yeah, I do. I do kind of struggle, I guess, to do things for myself sometimes. Because I'm taking, so my plan is to take December, I'm going part-time in December. Mm. So I'm going to work on the business like two, say two and a half days a week. And then the rest of the week I'm going to have off. But yeah, I'm, I'm in that place now where I'm like, oh, there's loads of like courses I could do. So I'm, I'm at that decision making bit now where I'm like, do I do that? Or do I actually just, you know, lounge around and watch Netflix and like go for baths and cook and stuff like that so I'm trying to figure out how that's going to look and whether I should have a structure or whether I should just wing it Mm. and see how I feel every day be interesting to see how that goes and actually one of the questions that you uh, asked me when we were emailing back and forth about this is how are you making time for creativity this year and honestly that is one of the things for me like making time for creativity so I've just started recently having singing lessons which is just so scary for me like I'm not a singer at all but I just wanted to do it and it reminds me how important it is to get stuck into something creatively so whether it's like music so I, 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 I do play the piano but I just haven't played for so long so it's nice to be singing again um it just like gets you out of it just your brain shifts completely to some something else you're it's not on all the work stuff because it's so hard when you run your own business isn't it you've got stuff in your head all the time your to-do list is never finished and yeah making time for creativity is so important but it's something that I definitely find hard Mm. I think with your business you're always thinking about how you can serve other people like that's Mm. always the thread that runs through most of what we do but yeah being creative for yourself and where the outcome isn't for anyone else other than you I think is such Mm. a important mindset shift and it's something that I'm trying to do is to write for me so not turn everything into a piece of content not turn everything into an Instagram caption or an email um and it's something that that I'm trying to do in my Inspire, Rate, Repeat course is that every week 
we all get together and we write but it's interesting because a lot of people who came on the course said oh I want to use the time to write my emails do my content plan but in the very first week I started with journal prompts on like why do you why do you like to write what like how do you feel about writing um how did you feel about writing when you grew up when you were growing up and now that you're older how do you feel about writing and then I asked people what do you feel like you should use this time for and then the next question was what would you actually like to use this time for (laughs) and everyone was like oh like they all like found like a huge difference between what they felt they should be doing and what they wanted to do so pretty much everyone has shifted from using the time to write content um, for work or for Instagram to now just writing for themselves every week. And it's been such a pleasure to watch because everybody just feels so invigorated. And I don't look at their work, they just write it for themselves. Um, and I'm trying to do that as well. Um, and it just feels totally different. And I think it's hard when you do, or for me, because I write for a living, but I also want to write as a hobby. So it's quite hard to make that distinction. But I wrote some fiction um, a few weeks ago and it just felt great. Like it felt really good to write without a purpose and write without fear of having to show Mm. it to anyone and just to not think, oh, I need to have a structure in mind. I need to have like an outcome in mind just to let it happen and that felt really good to then have that exist just for me and no one else. It was really, really good. Oh, I love that. You've definitely got me thinking about, yeah, just writing for myself. Oh, thank you. I've loved this conversation. I've got one more bonus question for you from my random deck of questions. And that is, what mistake do you keep making over and over again? Mm. I think... Um, I keep setting boundaries and then just ignoring them. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say like, yeah, I won't work in the evenings. I won't work at the weekends. Um, I'll only take calls like one day a week. That's completely gone out the window. This week, I think I'm recording like four podcasts, like one every day, (laughs) which as an introvert, you're like, this is terrible planning. Um, so yeah I think I'm quite good at like making a plan and then not sticking to it yeah Um, but I think that's kind of my character like I'm very I don't think I'm anti-authority but I'm very anti-routine yeah and I really like to use my I guess intuition every day about how I want to work like if I write here's the three things I'm going to do one of them's at nine o'clock one of them's twelve o'clock one of them's at three o'clock I like defy my past self and go, no, yeah. I'm gonna do I'm gonna yeah. switch them all around. It's this like is what so, is that you This is so relatable, yeah. <laughs> it's I'm like exactly the same. Sense, I don't know if it's like just having a sense of autonomy. I don't know, it's really weird. I'm I'm exactly the same. And the only way around it for me is to have other people. Not that I'm e like I'm not like one of those people who has to do what other people say, but like if I hire people like a VA and social media manager and stuff, I will get the stuff to them on time. So that's the only way to like keep myself accountable. But yeah, I could totally relate to that. Oh, thank you so much. I really love that chat. And I hope it's, and I know, well, I'm sure it's going to be so useful to people listening about setting their race. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for having me. And if you want to find out more about Fiona and her work, head to her website, fionalikestoblog.com or search for her book out of office. 
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.